Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Well, welcome to Beyond the Fence Line. I think we have a great uh, topic this this week um, talking about it. You know, we've had, when we think about Texas Ag- Agricultural Land Trust, our bread and butter is really working with those landowners and, and helping utilize the tool of the easement tool. You know, we're, we're doing a lot more trying to build more and more tools, but again, our bread and butter are the easements. And this week we have three of our new partners, uh, ranchers and, and landowners across the state of Texas, uh, joining us today to talk about their easements. We've closed this last year. You know, just looking forward of this last year, um, you know, we've we've closed five easements uh, as to date, and we have two to three more easements to close by our, our physical year, which is in, in March. And this will be our biggest year uh, in the history of Talton, which is really exciting of more just helping families and, and their legacies. And today we have with us is Mr. David Lankford, uh, Mr. Perry Donup, and Miss Sky Louie with us today. And uh, again, want to thank each and, and all three of you of joining us today and, and hearing your story and uh, what, what the easement meant to you and your family and just the process of, of helping others. So again, I want to thank all three of you for, for being here with us today. Um, you know, I'd like to maybe kind of start around the, the, you know, go around the horn a little bit and have each of you briefly describe your ranch and why, you know, it was so important for you to protect uh, your land perpetuity uh, moving forward. So, David, uh, if how about we start with you, uh, Mr. Langford, and, and have you kind of talk about uh, your operation and, and your land and, and uh, those key things. Morning. Appreciate this. This ought to be fun. My, gra- my great grandfather founded this ranch in 1887. And the house that he built is still occupied by my cousins up the road. Hillenden Ranch, and we are now seven generations. I did a book several years ago about Hillingdon Ranch, four seasons, six generations. There are now seven generations. And the ranch is still mostly intact. There's a few hundred acres that are, have been sold to non-family members. And uh, most of them, you know, you know, they may as well be family. They've part of the group now. So, but our desire is to keep this legacy together. And of course, the only, not the only way, but the, probably the best way to do that is with a conservation easement. So the land remains as close as it possibly can, irrespective of who owns it. Uh, like the original ranch that was put together in 1887. So that was our number one goal was to keep this legacy, keep this family legacy as much intact as we could possibly could. That's why we did ours. Wow, thanks for sharing that, David. Um, Perry, how about we 
we we go around and kind of hear from you. Okay, well, well, this ranch was founded uh, in 1859 on the Llano River, uh, about 12 miles south of Mason. Uh, and in fact, the founding uh, founding man is buried on the ranch. Is a lot of the other people. It was uh, the old Germans, and a lot of the grave markers are, are are all in German. They didn't speak English that time. And unfortunately, everything around me has been chopped up into little squats. Uh, can't blame these people. Uh, these ranches don't make any money. Uh, and so uh, you got to love the land. And uh, between the, because of the river and the county road that goes through it, it's just so easy just to chop them up into little, little slivers of land. And that's what's happened all around me. All the old families, when I was a little kid, of all their new generations have sold off tracks here, there, and everywhere. And I just didn't want that. Uh, you know, this is a working ranch. It has been since 1859, and I wanted to keep it intact. Much like David, there was a piece of mine sold off by an heir that didn't, didn't, couldn't see the reason to keep them. He said, you don't make any money off of them. Look at all the value of land. Well, I understand that. You got to love the land to do it. And, uh, you know, we're not South Texas ranchers with... Uh, royalties uh i've got a friend that has one i always dog him about you know he, he's a good rancher because he's got all those royalty interests that, <laughs> that i don't have he said well that's just because my relatives were too lazy to walk any further <laughs> so anyway uh you know i don't want to cut up anymore and you know the tall was a real good fit for me uh i looked at other ones and i didn't like uh didn't like what i saw there so uh, that's basically uh, the reason why I decided to go ahead and do it. Uh, that's that's a great, Perry. I mean, to think about, you know, you're you're, I think, basically calculating right, 163 years within the family. I mean, that's a legacy, and and uh, Mr. Langford. I mean, we look at yours is I think 134, if I did my calculations right, and um, I mean that that's that both of y'all's are true definition of a legacy and, and back to this generation. So, well, Miss Skye, uh, love to hear about your place and, and your perspective. Oh, well, thank you, Chad. Um, this is, uh, it's, uh, I'm an honor. I'm honored to be uh, on this uh, group call today. <clears throat> We're uh, kind of youngsters compared to the others. Uh, we've been here on this piece of land uh, for 52 years. Uh, but my family's been ranching along the Nueces for six generations, uh, progressively moving upstream. So uh, when uh, my parents uh, began to age, they decided they didn't want to fight it out in South Texas anymore. They wanted a cooler spot and they, they moved upstream uh, from uh, Zavala County up into northern Uvalde County and bought this place. Um, and mainly because it was a, <clears throat> a nicer environment to be in uh, for their uh, aging years. And they began to uh, look at the land as, um, as uh, what it could be, as, as what it might have once been. And, uh, and they took on a, uh, a new way, I think, um, I watched them change, you know, from from being in uh, production, agriculture, and Zavala County, and 
Live Oak County and all downstream to, um, to sitting back and watching the grass grow here. So as all of those uh, processes began to heal, you know, for a long time, I think these fields were cotton fields and then they were farmed uh, every annually with oats for many years. And, and um, <clears throat> so the land was mined uh, by the time mm -hmm. they got here in 68. It had been, most of the goodness uh, had been mined out of the soils and the creek banks were pretty heavily eroded. Um, the river, of course, the Nueces is bigger than a lot of uh, places. It's a, it's a big watershed, so it, it has its own rules. But the uh, um, Bird Springs Creek that runs through here uh, was, the banks were, um, you know, uh, heavily trodden by livestock and, and it just wasn't, uh, it was managed in the old way, I think you could say. So when they, uh, when they decided to take a, find an easier path and um, came up here, they um, began to try to let the nature take the course of healing. And uh, I remember my dad saying many times, um, you know, let's, instead of taking an active role, of course, that, a lot of that was an excuse not to do something that uh, was going to be a lot of work. Uh, so he, he took the easier path, but the natural path of letting things heal. He uh, put all these fields into permanent grasses and um, they uh, continued to ranch it with this as kind of a base um, with least country around. So growing up watching it change and then uh, as they passed on, I took uh, over the management and began to focus on the riparian areas mostly and, you know, photo documenting the way those things change over time, it hooks you on the process. And then you begin to think as you get older, uh, I began to think about what, what would happen? What would someone else do if they were to buy this place? Uh, well, they probably would build houses all along the creek bank and roads across it and probably dam it up and um, so we began to talk about conservation easements with my two adult children um, 10 or 15 years ago uh, when, when they first sort of became a thing in Texas. And we've talked to a lot of different land trusts and a lot of different programs over the years. But uh, as TALT uh, became um, prominent, uh, we could see that we had common vision there. Uh, we want to continue to ranch in a way that utilizes this little home place as a base. And uh, we, we want uh, to be in partnership with people who respect that legacy. So uh, I'm just delighted that we've finally found a partner, I think the right partner, conservation long-term and, and uh, now we can have future generations continue to watch this uh, country heal and participate in its uh, in those processes. Yeah thanks Sky for sharing that. I, I think you know I, I think there's one thing that's definitely common in all three of you is is 
the DNA of the land ethic and that stewardship and the love of the land. Um, and it's those same things are, are in the DNA of TALT. And that's, as, as you said, Sky, we're just as thrilled to partner with each of you and all of our partners and future uh, landowners um, for, for the reasons you, you mentioned. So let's you know, dive a little deeper into the concept of conservation easements. And uh, David, I'd really like to start with you, you know, folks that know you, um, uh, kind of know your thoughts of, of the easements over the years. And, and I was on your camp, you know, at one time as well, um, that you were in the camp that you thought, you know, originally years and years ago, that conser conservation easement tool, you know, was a, was a terrible idea. It wasn't the right tool to utilize and, and we uh, fast forward today and uh, you have an easement and uh, on that legacy land of yours. Could you really kind of share with us, you know, how you went full circle um, on the concept of the easement? Yeah, sure. And, and listen, thank you for putting it mildly. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I'm on record on microphones and print and everywhere. I, I'll you know, called conservationism as communist plot. They were an excuse to steal landowners' land. And uh, I wasn't the only one. I mean, there were uh, most of our friends in agriculture and ranching, uh, kind of all, we all pretty much felt the same way. I was certainly not going to speak for them, but I had lots of allies from my point of view, put it that way. And what we discovered was that it was, a, you know, like many other things, it was a communication problem. We weren't, we weren't talking to each other. We were talking past each other. And uh, we just, just didn't understand, uh, quote, unquote, their point of view. And they didn't understand, quote, unquote, our point of view. And uh, I went to a meeting, Blair Fitzsimmons and I went to a meeting at Parks and Wildlife uh, was with land trusts, and of course uh, Blair was working um, on a, it. Was I'm not sure it was an actual job, but she was uh, working with uh, American Farmland Trust, and she asked me to go with her, and I went, and it was amazing. There were I don't know several dozen people in the room representing all sorts of, of, of government agencies and land trusts. And they talked about all of the problems that faced the conservation of natural resources as if private landowners didn't exist. I mean, it was like, oh, well, you know, those farmers and ranchers, they don't have any state tax problems. They don't have any development problems. It, 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 was, it was very revealing uh, about why the misunderstandings were taking place. I mean, there was, there was virtually no uh, acknowledgement. If they did know, there was no acknowledgement, at least in that setting, that the same issues that environmentalists faced landowners faced as well, private landowners. It wasn't just government, it wasn't just land trusts. 
So not long after, uh, Blair was invited to the Partnership of Rangeland Trust meeting in Billings, Montana. And, and she asked me to go with her. And uh, Blair was a friend and, and uh, I respected her and her opinion. And even though I wasn't of a good opinion of land trust, I agreed to go. And, you know, came to realize when we were that when I, because I wasn't familiar with the Partnership of Rangeland Trust. Well, there were people in the room that represented, you know, they had agricultural names. It was the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. It was the Wyoming Stock Growers Association. I mean, they were, plus they were, they were from the public private lands. They had the checkerboards of, they were dealing with government and dealing with all the issues that we were dealing with in Texas. And as soon as Lynn Sherrod of the um, Colorado Cattlemen Association at that time, as soon as she flashed up the governing principles of the Partnership of Rangeland Trust on the screen, there with a slideshow, that's how long ago it was, still slides, it wasn't a PowerPoint. Uh, you know, it was almost, it was biblical for me. The scales fell off my eyes. I mean, it was, uh, there were six management principles of those rangelands, of governing principles of those rangelands trusts that I could not imagine that anybody would disagree with. Anyway, I try to make a longer story shorter. We came back to Texas and began talking with the Cattlemen's um, Cattle Raisers Association and Texas Farm Bureau and eventually very soon after we put together uh, the idea that that became Texas Ag Land Trust, TALT. And that's what people ask me now, why did I do a conservation easement? I send them to the TALT website and say, go there to the pull down where it has governing principles. And there's the reason right there, because if your heart's in the right place and you want to save your land for future generations and provide all those benefits to the public uh, and maintain your heritage and do all the things that Perry and Sky have talked about, there's a partner who will help you do it and not only help you for the next few months or the few years, but will help you forever. And that's how we ended up as a family that told. Yeah, thanks, David, for for that, you know, insight and, and thanks for all you did and, you know, your uh, sacrifice of family and traveling and helping Blair and others kind of bring talk to be and, and um, you know, those guiding principles are are uh, very, very dear to my heart as well, David, and, and those guiding principles is what drew me to TALT and, and come uh, work for TALT. And uh, they're, they're very, uh, very, um, you know, amazing and a passionate, you know, unfortunately perception is reality. And you kind of talked about that story of, you know, unfortunately the easement tool gets thrown into a big, uh, a big block where everybody, you know, all easements are the same and they're not, you know, even our easements, you know, we, we fine tune them for each, each and every 
landowner we work with to meet their goals and objectives. You know, our goal is to keep working lands working and helping you guys keep that freedom to operate and those private property rights and, and those things. And so we, we do um, appreciate the partnership and, and look forward to, to many, many, many years with that. So thanks again, David. Um, Perry, you know, really kind of a question I have is, you know, when you went through the process of the easement and decided that, you know, what did you know about the easements when you started down this road? And what did you learn uh, along the way? Well, kind of a similar uh, situation, David. I mean, at first it's like, oh, these are horrible things. <laughs> and that's some years ago. And uh, but then I saw more and more chopping up all the ranches on the river there. And I got to thinking about it a little bit more. And as I told you earlier, before this started, you know, I went and went to Austin, saw that bunch up there. I thought, nah, that's not for me. That's more birds and bees types of people. And so I wasn't impressed by them. And then I found you guys and really uh, your program just fit like a shoe uh, for well, what I wanted. And I could continue to ranch the land and operate it as I had in the past. Uh, there were less restrictions for sure with your group than with the other ones and uh, so I like that and uh, you're not interfering much to the operation of the ranch that I can see I mean I'm not going to strip mine anyway so that doesn't bother me and I don't really want a big windmill on it so uh, and I was glad that you allowed us to carve out uh, some uh, tracks uh, for future generations so that I could look down the road and and think about them and you know what they might need and what they might need to build and whatnot and so that was uh, also very very important so uh, really if it hadn't have been taught i probably wouldn't have done it to be honest with you with the other groups i looked at you know perry how how long did it take you from having the conversation with talt to finally closing that easement it took a while <laughs> Yeah. I'm thinking it was like a three-year process Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. from uh, the very first meeting I had on the back porch there, looking at the river and uh, moving on, uh, I think about three years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand in that, you know, when we are thinking about, a, you know, an easement, you know, uh, forever is a long time and it takes time and there's a process, Perry, like you said, of kind of thinking through and asking questions and, you know, it's easy for us to to think through, you know, uh, to the end of this year or, or maybe three or four years, five years down the road. But it's it's a lot harder to in, in a different thinking process to start thinking about. And you kind of mentioned this, Perry, about thinking about, you know, uh, the next generation and maybe two or three generations down of of carving out those building envelopes, you know, for that for, uh, you know, heirs that aren't even born yet. And so I think it's, you know, and that's part of our job is to help you kind of think through that process. And I would say on average, Perry, I mean, you're right at the, probably the time period. It usually takes around three years to uh, th those conversations till we close. I mean, some of them happen sooner, some are a little longer, uh, but again, it's just not getting frustrated. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, David kind of mentioned, you know, he'd been thinking about it for a long time and, and, and it's, you know, you kind of 
you know, thinking about it. And I think Sky said she started the conversation 10 years ago with, with uh, her kids. And so it's just, it takes a while to, to kind of get there and get everybody on the same page. So. Exactly. And the, the carve outs were very important to me and thinking, you know, way on down the road, well, what if uh, Bob hates John, Jane or whatever. And, right. brother and <laughs> so I even carved out a place way on the North end of the place. So, if they were that mad at each other, that one could be on one end of the ranch and one on the other. <laughs> yeah, very good point. So, you know, Sky, let's kind of move to you and a question for you. Um, you know, both the easements uh, on, on your place as well as Perry's uh, involved some, you know, some extra dollars from the Texas Farm and Ranch Land Conservation Program. And really love to hear from, from your side uh, or, or inside of, you know, how that was important and, and did that really help you uh, kind of get through the, the process and, and getting to the easement from a purchase perspective? Well, the farm and ranch land funding was absolutely critical to securing the long-term protection that we've um, endeavored on here and the conservation values that the Open V provides the Nueces watershed. So it was... Uh, it was essential. We couldn't have done it without it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think one of the things too, Sky, and, and when we think of, you know, we have really two type kind of options, I guess, for an easement. So when we look at it, we have a, you know, donated easements, we have the purchased easements. And, you know, unfortunately in Texas, we just don't have a whole lot of avenues for the purchased easements. Uh, and hopefully we can increase that and, and really show that return on investment uh, in the future. And we're working towards that with TALT. But we really have the Texas, you know, Farm and Ranch Land Conservation Program. And then we have the NRCS, uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service, the part of USDA's um, agricultural conservation easement programs. We have really just two pots of money and mm -hmm. neither pot of money is very big. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I appreciate, you know, you guys of, you know, that Texas farm and ranch land conservation program, uh, being available for you. Um, you know, I think too, another piece of it is, um, and I think in your situation and many other partners that we work with, what helps in that purchase portion is it really helps start to develop in an endowment for that ranch for those operation costs, which are very important to kind of keep, um, you know, just the easement itself doesn't keep the, the ranch going, right? I mean, it's a business. There's a lot of expenses. There's a lot of other things. And so trying to keep it intact and, and moving forward and sustainable uh, it's another avenue. So any other thoughts from you on, on that? Well, in our case, uh, the um, financial assistance has uh, been, it's, it's essential in aiding us to expand our conservation ranching operation because now we have um, two uh, members of the next generation that are wanting to expand. So really all we can provide from this place is a base camp. Uh, but right. we need, you know, we needed that um, um, that boost to be able to uh, to expand the operation and keep it sustainable. Right, right, yeah, very, very well said. That's well. I'm glad. You know, I th I think another unique with your situation too is, 
you know, we were able to kind of find some other private funding to kind of help and bring in and partner um, into your project and the Hershey Foundation and really appreciate the Hershey Foundation of stepping up and providing some financial incentives there. And, uh, you know, I think one of the key things that we're working towards is and partnering with um, Dr. Roel Lopez is looking at the value of uh, ecosystem services. And I think what we'll find is we can be able to show the return on investment into these things. So I always kind of go back to a a particular uh, research project this past year with the California Rangeland Trust, which is part of the partners of Rangeland Trust that David talked about earlier, and so are of our counterpart in California. They did a uh, kind of a study with Berkeley this last year, and the California Rangeland Trust is around 300,000 acres under easement, and those 300,000 acres are providing $1.4 billion worth of ecosystem services annually to the state of California. And so when we talk about you know, what a return on investment of investing in you, Sky, and David, or Perry, or other landowners to see that kind of uh, return is, is absolutely amazing. And so we're trying to do the same thing in Texas so we can help uh, provide more funding in the future. So when we think about, you know, each conservation easement negotiation is really unique as, as the landowner and the ranch that is going to protect it forever. And I wanna really dig into a little bit more on each of your easements and what was important for each of you to really consider uh, when you went through that process of negotiations. Um, David, how about we start with you? Okay, and listen, it was easy for me uh, and easy for our family. The um, I, I want to address the, the funding just a little bit as you sure yeah please about how important that is and I, I don't want to diminish that importance it, it is extremely important but the first criteria for anybody who enters an easement at least in my opinion and in our family's opinion is you've got to want to do it I mean it's it has to be in your heart right I'm not sure there's enough money to, um, you know, to influence somebody to, to, to do that. They have to want to do it, and then the money facilitates that, that want. I, the, the, the funding is important, but you still have to have it in your heart. And then after those criteria are, are taken care of, what, we, what was important to us was, you know, and you already uh, talked about it. I mean, this is forever. And forever is a long time. And it's a difficult concept to define forever in some kind of organized fashion that will stand up to the test of law law now and maybe what it's going to be out there forever. And what we we uh, helped us was, and I'm sure that everybody has examples of this. They know people where something happened, and usually that's a death. Somebody in a family dies, and all of a sudden the rest of the family 
start suing one another. That won't happen when you have a conservation easement because that's the deal. There it is, right there on those however many pages it is. That's the deal, and that's forever. And if somebody dies, that's still the deal. That doesn't mean you might not end up in court, but that's a less, a less chance when the deal is there. The other thing is when that happens or when anything happens, the land has a seat at the table. There's no other way where when you start sitting down and start thinking about tomorrow or next week or 100 years from now or forever, there's a chair there for the land because the land has a vote in everything. And then you have a, the last thing for us was you've got a partner that sits at that table also, and that's called. And they've got the hammer. So <laughs> they, they defend the easement. So if somebody is, a, you know, really being problematic, uh, you got a you, you and it, it does end up down there at the courthouse. Well, you got court taught sitting right there, and you got the land that has a chair also. So basically, that's how we ended up doing this: is that the deal is set, and we have a partner to help us defend it forever. Yeah, thanks for sharing your insight and kind of your thought process, David, through that. Perry, I'd like to kind of hear what, you know, what you considered kind of through the process. Well, it's kind of ditto what David said, to be honest. It parallels what he said very carefully, closely. Um, obviously, uh, getting some economic help did help, but it wasn't something, unlike him, uh, it didn't make difference that much difference whether I was going to do it or not. But it certainly helps, you know, uh, getting some funding on this. And... Uh, I had, you know, I had to visit with my son about this quite a bit. And, you know, because he is, as I mentioned to you earlier before the podcast, he is a, a ranch broker and he, he has a ranch with a conservation easement up on uh, uh, 281 north of San Antonio on Spring Branch. And, uh, you know, he's had a hard time selling it. He's been on the market for two years uh, because the first thing people do is they, they throw their arms up in the air. Oh, it's got a conservation. He's no good. Uh, he has found now a buyer from Austin that doesn't care about cutting the branch up. And it's in the middle of a lot of 281 developments. So everybody looked at it, thought about, well, we're going to develop this. Uh, so he has found a buyer and he's got it under contract. And this guy's happy with it, with the easement that's on it. But, uh, uh, you know, more or less, uh, like David said, it, 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 the process was uh, long to think about. And because forever is a long time. But uh, I didn't want my place cut up anymore, like I see all around me. I don't know about the rest of the guys in, in uh, Sky today, but uh, there's just development all around me. And I've already had uh, a cousin, I guess much like David, that, that already sold off his, his third of the ranch. And I didn't want any more of it to be sold off. So I'm very happy to be with you guys. Yep, appreciate that insight, Perry. Sky, how about yourself? I mean, what were some of the things that you considered kind of through the process? Well, we, um, you know, we talked many years about the concept of conservation easement, what 
the value of that would be to us. And so once that was decided as a tool that, that we should pursue, and that was probably five or six years ago, um, then it was, it became a matter of who to partner with. And so the most important thing to us was working with the compatible land trust, uh, because it's not only our goal to protect this place, but uh, we have a, a distinct love for the whole river, the Nueces River Basin here, mainly because we're, our people have been on it uh, for so long. And we've been looking at all parts of it up and down for so long that we've developed a love for the whole thing. And um, <clears throat> so what we wanted to do is establish a partnership that we could try to spread that love uh, to our neighbors and to other people uh, in the Nueces uh, to try to put together some kind of a landscape scale conservation effort. And um, if you're going to promote something like that, you really have to have some ownership in it. So um, we decided that the best way to start is to do this ourselves. And um, and go through the process and then we can talk to other people about our experience and we can promote it as a, a means of uh, trying to hold together a little bit larger landscape. Um, it's it's uh, great to have a partner that has those core values and that I feel 100% uh, confident about um, recommending to other people. Thanks, thanks, Sky. Um, kind of one other question I have for, for all three of you is really when we look at Texas um, is becoming more urban every day and TALT's effort is to conserve agricultural land area by the definition is rural. And do you think most people understand why protecting rural land is important to people in the cities? And what would you say to folks who do not understand with that. So David, let's start with you again. Well, of course the answer is no. You're right. <laughs> we have a, I have a vast extended family and I've got a close family. They haven't got a clue the, of what ecosystem services are. Right. Uh, they, they don't, I mean, they never heard of the American Farmland Trust, let alone the cost of community services data. Uh, they do, they will understand uh, if you say, well, what do you suppose costs less to, to provide police and fire and utilities and roads and all the other services that government taxes you for if you, if, you, if you build 400 houses on 200 acres or if you have one house on 200 acres? They at least seem to understand that. But the, the benefits of private working lands are not understood. And I have a handout that I give with my my uh, rubber chicken circuit, or at least I used to. And I'll just read them here, the uh, public benefits of private working lands. Recreation, aesthetics, food, fiber, shelter, energy, timber, aquifer recharge and infiltration, runoff reduction, filtering, cleaning, carbon sequestration, oxygen production, controlled erosion, soil stabilization, fish and wildlife habitat, 
threatened and endangered species habitat, conserve riparian areas and wetlands, conserve springs, seeps, and creeks, provides base flows to almost all rivers, reduces effects of flooding, conserves coastal areas of bays and estuaries, and guess what? The blue bonnets don't grow in asphalt. And they uh, <laughs> finally understand that, but it is, uh, and, and here's the key to it. You have private citizens that are willing to provide that with their own efforts and with their own resources. So essentially they are providing all of that for free to the general public and they still contribute to their communities, their charities, and their churches on top of doing all that. Now, where is the crew from 60 Minutes standing outside the door to tell that story? I mean, the public has no clue of what, what taught and what those who are to have conservation easements and what they have done to benefit mankind as a whole. Yeah, very well said, David. Very well said. Um, Perry, any any other thoughts from you? Of, yeah, you know, what would I, you I say? Yeah. I agree exactly what he said. The general public has no idea whatsoever and doesn't care. <laughs> uh, they should, but they don't. And to that point, like in my other places in Kendall County, and it's just been developed lick and split where they've cut one ranch up after the other. And where there was 500 acres, this track I'm thinking about right now, where there was 500 acres of land, where there was a windmill. Now there's a hundred homes. Every one of them's got a water well, draw down the aquifer. So right. uh, as far as the general public understanding this, I, I doubt they understand any of it. And even conservation easement concept, even less. <laughs> that would be my thought on that. Yeah. Sky, any insight from you of what you would say to these folks? Well, Talta has said it for years, you know, no land, no water. Right. But there's even more at stake, I think, in Texas now, including like the health and the well-being of all species, uh, insects to carnivores. We have to have functioning landscapes to buffer that development that's occurring in, in urban areas mm -hmm. and protect and preserve the natural resources that uh, we all depend on and that uh, ensure that Texas has some wildness left for future generations to experience. Yeah. So protecting rural landscapes and rural land and water uh, is key to ensuring a sustainable future for the whole state. Yep, very well. Yeah, I'm I mean, a little I... bit more optimistic about uh, the urban public. I think, <clears throat> that they're starting to see that. I think that, that our time is ripe. Um, and this uh, pandemic is, is showing them that uh, you know, we, we have to have areas that are functional in the landscape and places where people can uh, go and get away from the city uh, without destroying it. So, yeah, I think, I think you're yeah, I think you're right, Sky. I think, um, you know, I think, well, first off is, you know, private land stewardship equals public benefit. And how do we promote that and understand, you know, get that message out clearly? 
um, I, I think is a big challenge and a responsibility on all of us. Um, you know, I think the pandemic has had some silver linings in that people realize, you know, how important nature is to them. I mean, I think they've done that. I think at the same time, it, it, it also brings some challenges. I think what we've seen actually in the last, um, you know, last nine months, 10 months, we're actually seeing more and more properties being cut up because folks mm-hmm. want to, to go live, you know, they don't want to live in, you know, downtown Austin or Houston anymore and that they realize that they can actually work away from the office now. And so I think we have some challenges of, you know, informing folks um, as soon as we can. I think we look at the bigger picture and, and David talked about this organization, the American Farmland Trust. They've did a research project um, that's looked at the national scope is similar to uh, A&M's Texas Land Trends. And um, when you look across the, the landscape, Texas has lost you know, more working lands than anywhere across the country. I think you also add the dynamics of population increase. We, we've increased um, you know, more population than anywhere in the country too. So we have these, these really compounding pound, factors coming in. And, and you know, unfortunately this is a race we're winning and this is the race we don't wanna win. And we have to come up with some solutions to, to uh, kind of help mitigate um, this fragmentation and, and population increase. Um, ahead of us. Um, you know, one of the things, David, is is what we're trying to do at TALT is I think the days of us talking about how many acres we have under easement are, are, are you know, in the past. We have to really start breaking down what your lands, as you mentioned, these ecosystem services are providing. So, for example, that I always use, David, is, is uh, you know, we have 236,000 acres under easement with tall, with 32 partners like yourselves. Um, out of those partners, uh, you know, we're providing 180,000 acre feet of water per year of conserving. And we break that down a little bit more. That's enough water to, to provide drinking water to the town of San Antonio for over 200 years, right? And so we're breaking down of what that really private land stewardship means and, and those benefits coming from it. So again, I appreciate all three of you kind of telling the story and, and um, taking that challenge on. So we have one last kind of question. I think maybe the most important question I have for you today um, of concluding our conversation is really looking ahead about a generation or maybe two generations ahead. So if you could speak directly to your descendants about the land you love and why you protect it forever, what would you say to them? Sky, how about we start with you first this time? Well, um, two of these generations are now on the ground out here at the Open Mm Bee, and they're already engaged in the land. We're working, uh, they are working to build on and expand on the protection that's offered by this easement. Nothing is more important than the health of the land. And it's our privilege to steward it. So if I could tell future generations anything, it would be to honor the land and protect its processes at all costs. Great, well said. 
Perry, how about yourself? What would you tell a couple generations? Well, I brought my son into this early on because mm -hmm. I wanted him to be part of it and uh, not opposed to it. And he's like me. I mean, he grew up with his ranches from when he was a little boy and loves the land, too. So I feel pretty comfortable he's going to take care of it also and hopefully pass that desire down to future generations. So uh, uh, he's on board with it. And I wanted to make sure of that right off the bat. So um, I think we're good in good shape as far as that goes. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Perry. David, I know you've thought about this and thought about this one. Uh, what, what would you say to that future generation? I only thought about it, but lost a lot of sleep about it. <laughs> And I think it's I think it's vital. I think it's a mistake if you do not have all of your family, your immediate family, involved in the decision. Uh, Myrna and I have four grandchildren, and they are they were involved in this decision. So not only our two children and their spouses, but also our four grandchildren. Everybody was involved and on board. So it's important to have the. the uh, it's important to have the approval and the involvement of everybody. And we thought it was so important. We put a mission statement in our easement. So it's there, public record. You can pull it up and look at it. And if it ever ends up in the courtroom 100 years from now, they'll be pulling it up and looking at it. So it's, the, it's there, the mission statement of why, of why we did that. Furthermore, uh, <clears throat> Like Perry and, and uh, maybe like Sky, I didn't hear Sky talk about it, but the building envelope that we put together was a little bit different than, a, than a, some of the other building envelopes that we know about. We actually carved out 35 acres. And uh, this is not a country club. This is a working ranch and has been. We have a bloodline of Angus cattle that goes back to 1890 Scotland. We have sheep and goats. Uh, it's a ranch. I, I grew up doctoring screwworms out here. People, most people don't have any idea what those are today, let alone how the eradication of them changed the landscape. Anyway, uh, we took we, we modeled this that thirty five acres after a country club, even though it's not a country club. We put rules. Um, it's a, we have a separate document. It's a limited partnership that runs it. There's a general, general partner, uh, right now it just uh, is dormant, but if you're going to build there are restrictions on building, uh, you know, two story impervious cover, uh, uh, you have to uh, obey all the county regulations of nuisances and water wells and, and everything. We and basically, we since our neighbors are all family, at least now, uh, or, or a couple that are may as well be family, we don't want to be a problem for them. We don't want the building envelope, or as we call it, our exclusion. We don't actually, we call it the headquarters. We don't want an apartment complex or a tennis ranch with lights that light up the sky every night. We don't want that. We have. We have restrictions, uh, covenants for that building envelope about what can be done so that even if there's, you know, six or eight more houses in here in the, in the future, 
there are there are rules that they follow, and if they're uh, you know there's there's just there's a plan even for those for the land that is left out of the easement itself. So that's that was our solution was to make a a common area that everybody has to obey and has to participate in and has to participate in the funding of it as well as we go on go into the future and basically so that we would rest easier on the land and not be a problem for the land and not be a problem for the neighbors either yeah well well said david i, I think uh yeah it's a big responsibility and we've talked about it all you know on this conversation the the thanking process of, you know, thinking of those future generations and then putting the right document. And there's no, no doubt, David, you were more meticulous and thinking through than just about anyone. And, and really you're those generation, you know, future generations are going to benefit from all the work uh, that you put into it and the lack of sleep and everything else uh, with that. And uh, my hat's off to you, sir on that i have one last question uh, does uh what are you seeing in the uh open space carbon tax credits is that something that we would be prohibited from using with the easement or would it enhance that ability yeah great question i mean excellent question and and one of the things that we're working on and, and i'm very passionate about right is when you know when we look at talt and our our our, uh, you know, mission of really keeping working lands working, it's trying to develop these tools and the easement is one tool. And that's what we've really talked about on this conversation today. But the other tools that we're trying to work on is these ecosystem service markets, like carbon markets and water markets and biodiversity markets, and being able to find some of these, you know, again, it's a voluntary, you know, private uh, kind of uh, working aspects. And so, what we need to do, Perry, which is important to me, is develop these out because we need to be able to provide other incentives for not only you, but the next generation, your son and grandsons and, and grandchildren that will overlap and stack upon these easements. And so that's what that's where we're heading and what we're trying to develop and, and working towards. You know, when we kind of look at the history of TALT, you know, we're close to 15 years now, right? We have many of our easements that have handed over to that next generation already. And so it's important for us, as we talk to all, all four of us talk today, it's really about the overall sustainability of that operation. And so we have to be able to find other incentives and other, other monies coming in to keep, keep them, keep these operations viable. So uh, you are eligible and we're trying to develop those markets for you. Well, you know, great, it's a perfect uh, overlap to me. Yes, sir. To have a conservation easement and then have this carbon tax credits. Most definitely. Yes, David. One, uh, one comment. Some of y'all may have been on the same conference call with Jim Blackburn's uh, mm -hmm. group that's trying to put together the carbon credits for kind of similar to the wetlands credits down along the coast. And uh, I was thinking to myself as I was listening to that presentation, I said, my golly, I put this conservation easement on here. Even though it took four and a half years, I, I put it on too quick. 
And uh, someone else asked the question, and the answer was, well, uh, the question about if the existing conservation easements still qualified for these programs, and the answer was perfect. He said, why would we penalize anybody for doing the right thing a long time ago? Correct. Yeah, and there's also a lot more assurance from the buyer side, too. So, you know, you get a corporation or someone that's buying that credit, them to actually, I think, I think my job is to help, you know, actually get you a premium on that uh, credit um, because having that easement, right? So it's it's worth, I can sell it and it's worth more value to the buyer side because of assurance of, of that land stewardship and long-term uh, stewardship on that, on your operations. So I think, I think all of these come together and, and this is what our, the future of TALT looks like in this conversation of how we bring all of these tools together um, to help to help all of our families uh, be able to keep that legacy moving forward. So again, I, I, again, I thank the three of you and, and I hope the, the listeners, I, I guarantee will enjoy uh, this conversation as much as I have today and, and appreciate it and, and look forward to uh, our listeners listening to our next uh, episode next month where we'll talk a move uh, and talk a little bit more about policy and what's what's that looks like here in this next session. So again, thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to Beyond the Fence Line. Thank you, Chad, and everybody. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Have a thank good you. day. You too. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.